Hello, I'm Anna Hall, your host for this podcast. Our topic is gifts versus income for pastors, and we will be examining the case of Felton versus Commissioner. Because of the unusual nature of religious institutions, there is an interesting tax issue that arises in which members of the congregation desire to give money directly to their pastor or minister as a non-tax deductible gift, rather than giving money to the church itself through tithe. This particular problem is seen in the Felton case. We will start with the facts. Reverend Wayne Felton is the pastor at Holy Christian Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. His church consists of 600 families, and each service has an average of 500 members that attend. In both 2008 and 2009, Reverend Felton received over $200,000 from his congregation claimed as non-taxable gifts. This was in addition to the regular tax-deductible offerings. The commissioner disagreed with the Feltons' allocation of these funds and wanted them to be taxed and penalized. The Feltons established their church in 2000 and both the Reverend and his wife were heavily involved in the day-to-day operations. Reverend Felton was a very charismatic speaker and a significant draw for new and existing members. Though he would claim that it was God drawing the members to gather, the church was run in a business-like manner suitable to its tax-exempt status, and the Feltons both sat on the executive board, which was only advisory. The board did not hire Reverend Felton, they could not fire him, and they didn't make him do what they said, though he usually considered and cooperated with their desires. The Feltons also did not participate in any salary decisions that involved them. The business operations of the church were carefully organized and executed. Members of the congregation would give offerings at church services, and these offerings were kept secure until after the service. They were then counted, verified, and deposited. The donations were recorded in the shepherd staff accounting software. There were three different ways that the members of the congregation could make donations. For normal contributions, which were used to sustain the church, there was also a line on these envelopes that was marked pastoral, where the members could give money towards the pastor's salary. The gold envelopes were for special occasions, retreats, and programs. And then finally, the blue envelopes. These were used as non-tax deductible gifts for the pastor. They were handed directly to the pastor without being opened, and the amounts were not recorded in the shepherding, shepherd staff software or counted. For 13 years, Reverend Felton preached without a salary. In 2008 and 2009, he was offered a salary and he declined. So the question is, how did he support his family? The answer, was the blue envelopes. In 2008, the blue envelopes brought in $258,000, and in 2009, they brought in $235,000. Reverend Felton also received in-kind donations from private donors that did not want to identify themselves. The church didn't pay his salary for the years in question, but they did track the pastoral donations from the white envelopes and each year they issued him a report. In 2008, $40,000 was brought in in the white envelopes. He also received a parsonage allowance of $6,500 per month. 
He had private counseling and speaking engagements, which had $60,000 in gross receipts for both years and net profit of 30000 in 2008 and 40000 in 2009, both of which was reported on his Schedule C. The commissioner audited the Feltons, and the Feltons disagreed and petitioned the court. There were many issues that were settled before the trial, but the main one left to decide was whether or not the donations from the blue envelopes were income or gifts. Section 61A1 of the Internal Revenue Code says that gross income includes compensation for services. But then there was a loophole in Section 102A, which says that it excludes the value of property acquired by a gift, except if transferred by employer to employee. The Feltons argue that the blue envelopes were from individual members the presiding judge, Judge Holmes, said, what's a gift? The Supreme Court has defined it. A gift in the statutory sense is proceeds from a detached and disinterested generosity out of affection, respect, admiration, charity, or like impulses. The court held that the most critical consideration is a transfer's intention, and so it has to be based ultimately on the application of the facts in each case. There are many different cases that can be used to contrast with this one. However, Minnesota is an Eighth Circuit, which relates very closely with Goodwin versus the United States. The Eighth Circuit disagreed that special occasion donations were gifts, as Goodwin claimed because they were made by the congregation as a whole. They were gathered by leaders, very structured, and given three times a year. The court decided that these gifts should have been classified as income for the following reasons. The congregation funds the church, and that includes Reverend Goodwin's salary. These special occasion gifts were substantial compared to his salary. And the congregation knew that without the gifts, it probably wouldn't be able to keep Pastor Goodwin at their church because of how low the salary they were paying. And lastly, the sizable payments made by persons to whom the taxpayer provides services are usually regarded as a form of compensation and should be treated as taxable income. There are four factors that should be considered when trying to decide whether a donation is a gift or income for a pastor. The first of these factors is whether the donations are objectively provided in exchange for services. From observing Reverend Felton's character and what we know of the case, it would seem that he would probably continue with his vocation regardless of whether or not he received the money from the blue envelopes. We consider this because of the fact that he worked for 13 years without receiving a salary. Regardless of this, the Supreme Court is quoted as saying, objective evidence of a donor's intent means that we have to ask whether the donations are of the magnitude and type that would make us doubt that what is called a gift amounts to one in reality. 
the court determined that these gifts of money made in the blue envelopes were not actually gifts and should have been considered income and were meant to keep the Reverend Felton preaching where he is. Reverend Felton provides intangible religious benefits and the blue envelopes are in exchange for them. This factor tilts towards income. The second factor is whether the pastor has requested the personal donations. In this case, we know that Reverend Felton mentioned them when they first were put, put out for the members of the congregation, but after that one meeting, he did not speak of them again, and the ushers did not pass them out unless they were requested. Reverend Felton did not encourage anyone to use the blue envelopes. He only preached on tithing through the white envelopes. This contrasts with the Goodwin's case. Because of this, it tilts back the verdict towards gift. The third factor is whether the donations were part of a routine, highly structured program and given by individual church members or the congregation as a whole. In this case, the donations were given by individual members and not by the entire congregation, which also contrasts with the Goodwin case. However, it was routine and highly structured due to the nature of the blue envelopes and the specifications and instructions given on them. Judge Holmes says, we also can't ignore the sheer size of the blue envelope donations in 2008 and 2009 or the fact that they are very similar in amount in both years. We find it more than likely than not that this means there was a regularity of the payments from member to member and year to year, which indicates that they were the result of a highly organized program to transfer cash from church members to Reverend Felton. It is hard to distinguish this from compensation, which leads towards income. The last factor to consider is whether the pastor receives a separate salary from the church and the amount of that salary in comparison to the personal donations. We know in this case, in 2008, Reverend Felton received 40000 as considered his salary from the white envelopes. He also had $78,000 in parsonage allowance. And then the blue envelope donations that year was $258,000. In 2009, again, he had $40,000 in his salary from the white envelope donations. The parsonage allowance was $78,000, and he received blue envelope donations of $234,000. The sheer volume and size of the blue envelope donations leans towards income. When so much money flows to a person from other people that he provides services for, even if they're intangible, and they expect him to continue to provide these services in the future, the court finds it to be income and not gifts. Regarding the penalties, the court sided with the commissioner here as well. The Feltons filed their returns only after the IRS had contacted them for 2008 and 2009. 
And it also shows in the record that Reverend Felton, who didn't have any tax training, prepared the return himself. This case brings up an interesting topic with a lot of gray areas. The key takeaway in determining whether or not a donation is considered a non-taxable gift or income for pastors is that each case is different and all of the factors must be considered before a decision is made. Mm -hmm.